All right, <clears throat> we're gonna give this another try here. Let's get Jessica up on this. Sorry about the technical difficulties, everybody. having a good week so far let me get some people in here what's up jp welcome back i hope the road's treating you well my dude what's up chris can you get jessica up in here hello nippon kogaku i what's up not for sale Jessica in here. So perfect. Hi. Hi. Huzzah, it works. Oh my gosh. Mercury well, isn't in retrograde or anything. I don't know what, like, today's just been like a weird fucking day for me in general so i wasn't really surprised that um you know technical difficulties happened this is honestly yeah. the weird thing um that has started with with the like whole like app shit or whatever because like i guess they're trying to integrate more features with facebook or some shit now i don't know mm -hmm. yeah well i'm like scheduled I, so i have an iphone 6 yeah i'm scheduled to get a new phone like in the next few weeks so you know i thought my app was automatically updating and doing all kinds of fun stuff but you know yeah good i mean iphone 6 like those those fuckers had a good run i still know lots of people rocking those ones out there yeah i mean there's very little i would change about the phone except the damn camera so yeah well, and that's why everyone's going to like the 11 Pro Max or whatever. Now there's the 12, I guess. Whatever. I, whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm between the um, I'm I'm trying to decide between the 12 Pro and the 12 Pro Max, but I don't want like a stupidly sized like Zach Morris phone. Well, so, so I used to have a 6s, and I really liked the 6s. The 6s was like great, and. I struggled a little bit with it though. Cause like, I really loved my 4S. Like that was sort of like the ideal sort of like size for like a little, like, you know, fucking tiny phone to carry around. And then I kind yeah. of fell in love with the five, the five form factor was cool. And then the six, I hated it first. Cause it was like bigger. Um, but when my 6S shit the bed on me, I bought an eight plus and I used to make fun of people with like the eight plus, but now it just feels like a normal phone. Like you just, you get used to the sizes yeah. and then like, cause I have a, I have an eight regular for work and whenever mm -hmm. I have to use it, I'm like, what the fuck is this tiny little thing? Like my fingers don't fit on it anymore. And this feels really weird. <laughs> yeah. It's welcome like... to iPhone talk with Merlin and Jessica. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with the cameras they've been putting into the newer ones, 
it i think they do like count as like a photographic tool now like you know what are your thoughts on that actually well you know i mean the saying is that you know the best camera is the one that you have with you so i mean i'm i'm not one of those people that knocks digital photography versus analog yeah. I, I love all photography um and you know that it's interesting that there are tools now that you can you know bridge the digital analog divide like the instant lab or whatever the hell they're calling it this week i have the old one from impossible like i was a kickstarter backer yeah and i have the i have the conversion kit so allegedly i can um uh you know like use any phone to you know use it but um but i've kept my iphone 4 and I'm planning on keeping my six just in case so that if there are images I want to print on, um, you know, a Polaroid film, I can. I also have the Fuji um, SQ thingy and the, um, you know, and the, the, I have both of them. I have the little one and I have the square one, you know, okay. and I, I feel like very chic, you know, or like influency because I have those. So Can you give me like, you're like <laughs> snap a photo of it and then like while you're talking it sort of prints out and you're like here you go yeah i mean you know if you're hanging i mean in the before times if you were hanging out with people um, you could like time. make images and be like here you go here's like that you know photo of your you know cocktail that you love so much or yeah. whatever but um you know i mean again every every piece of equipment has its time and place so you know, you just have to figure out what that is. And you know, I completely agree with that. I'm curious, thoughts from the crowd? And while they're gathering their thoughts, I, I have to say the same thing. I have the old original Impossible one, and so far it's been mm -hmm. totally useless. But thanks <laughs> to Cat uh, Wells, who's on the, the chat here, she gave me her old 4S. So now I can finally use this... Um, Polaroid lab thing that I bought in Tulsa last year that's just been sitting around. I was thinking of like ripping it apart to convert one of my other cameras so I could shoot 600 with it, but you know. Isn't Jana going to send you the conversion kit too? Oh yeah, she was, yeah, last week she said she was going to send that shit to me. So yeah, I can also thank you. My memory's been kind of terrible since the um, accident earlier this year. What's up, Luis Tio? Um, not, not a problem. But yeah, it's I, oh, hey, Kat. Yeah, she's great. Kat gave me her old phone, so I can possibly use that. And hopefully I can use the thing that Janice sends, and that'll... I'll have all sorts of options for shit. Yeah. Um, but I, the, I used to be one I, of those... What what about the instant, what, sorry, what I like about the Instant Lab versus the Fuji printer yeah. is the Instant Lab has always felt to me like a mini darkroom or a mini enlarger. Ooh. So it's... It's like you're carrying around a little dark room with you versus just here's a printer that's going to make like a very cold and sterile version of whatever's on your phone. So you have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to do more with it. You know, you can do, um, you know, multiple exposures. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of the, the, you know, preciousness of, you know, having a one of one out of things. However, the instant lab is not infallible either. So, you know, you can print five copies of the same image and they're all going to look slightly different because, you know, there were, you know, four microns difference in the way that the chemistry was laid out or it spread across the rollers. 
or you know you had a piece of lint stuck somewhere but that's so, the polaroid yeah yeah that's the beauty of polaroid so you have you have these opportunities to you know and if you're able to make you know a couple of copies of something then you have the opportunity to experiment more so you know, you're not going to be like, oh, I have this one-off image of the Grand Canyon that I took. I'm not going to do an emulsion lift with it because if I screw it up, I won't have that image anymore. Yeah. So, so it's an opportunity for you to like, you know, t like deconstruct and take things apart and play with it more versus um, being like, this is my precious, like, you know, it was shot on like limited edition film and, you know, I was in a, you know, exotic location we can all dream. Yeah, um, maybe one like twenty thirty yeah. somewhere around then we can. Yeah. Experience that. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I'll well, I'll like you know ride those little scooters they have in front of the supermarket, you know, because we'll all be like decrepit and you know we can put our like tripods on the back. It'll be great. I'll look like a real wizard by then because this will be all like white. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll 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 have the wisdom wisdom silver in there. Yeah, I'm getting the lightning bolts right now. I don't know what that means. Um, but I, I, I do... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I said I pay a colorist to get rid of my wisdom. Actually, I don't pay a colorist anymore because I don't see anyone anymore. So yeah. I get rid of See, like, I used to go... I was, like, a fancy lad in the old world, and I would go see, like, a barber every, like, two to three weeks and do, like, the mm -hmm. whole, like bald fade with like the razor time and like you know we'd shoot the shit and it was like a cool thing and then covid i've been cutting my own hair in my bathroom because like i just don't give a shit i was gonna yeah. go like full grizzly adams and just be like until the pandemic ends i'm just gonna like fucking go buck wild and then like i think it was like three or four months i was like i can't do this this is just mm -hmm. this is too scruff um, yeah, my my hair is way too long. It's it, you know it's getting out of hand. I I trimmed great. it I think in like April, but like I have like I'm like <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like it's like there's just way too much of it. It's getting really complicated. I'm like now I know why like all the people in the olden times braided it all the time. So <laughs> well, you know, actually that that brings up an interesting point that I never really thought of is like what is the pandemic going to do to beauty standards now that people can't follow these like regimes that they were always doing where they're going out and like having professionals like make them look a certain way all the time. And like, you know, I wonder if this is going to change like the whole beauty industry somehow. Cause like, you know, people can't do what they were doing before in the old world. I definitely think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's affecting all the arts, right? So, you know, um, being photographers, obviously, we have um, a heightened sense of awareness when it comes to aesthetics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, um, we, we you know, we're, we're not always fancy when we're going out. I mean, you know, um, if anyone has joined me in the desert at 5am, um, I, you know, look like death warmed over but it's dark out and I don't care because I'm there to chase the good light. Yeah. So, you know, but um, I think there's a lot of DIYing going on. I mean, I've been joking that like, I didn't learn how to make sourdough, but um, I know how to do my own nails now. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you kind of figure things out. And the fact that you have these platforms and, you know, 
all these people who are like instructing, you know, it was like, I have no idea how to do, you know, this, that, or the other, and, you know, or cut my own hair or, you know, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And you just, um, you know, as, as Jeff Goldblum says, life finds a way. So, it does. you mm-hmm. know, I th- you know, hmm, life, it just, hmm, it finds, finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I mean, I, I think that obviously, you know, if you look at like the larger trends within, you know, um, the way that ad campaigns are being shot right now, um, yeah. you know, commercials, you know, there's all these different, you know, really creative things that are going on, you know, to keep people socially distanced, but to continue to create interesting content and to push the medium. And I think anything that pushes the medium and anything that allows people to continue to make work, whatever that work may be, you know, fine art, commercial, personal, all of those things are important and we have to be open to whatever those opportunities are. I like that. This one, well, I mean, so I guess we could do a little introduction party because we, we totally missed that, but you know, Jeff, we totally just launched into everything. Yeah. We, just, like we just launched. It's like, let's talk about iPhones. Let's talk about pens. Let's talk about hair. Let's... Yeah. You know, um, so Jessica is a PR maven and then I'll let her take it from there. Oh, that's a, that's a dangerous thing to do. But yes, um, I guess my, my day job is, um, you know, I work in marketing and PR and, um, and then whenever I, you know, have the mental capacity and the spare time, I, you know, I'm, I'm involved in photography and, mm-hmm. or usually I'm involved in photography, I guess would be the way to put it. You know, that's, that's, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Um, so I've been shooting, you know, I guess most of my life. Um, I remember getting my very first camera when I was like seven. I got a Fisher Price like 110 little mini camera. And I was very disappointed that it did not give me editorial results. I was like, (laughs) excuse me, why does this not look like the stuff in the magazines? Like, I I just didn't understand it. And then I didn't... um, I didn't actually get to, oh, wait, here, you got to get my shirt, my shirt, too. I got, I got, there we go. Oh, nice, beauty. I'm still figuring out how this sucker works, so we'll see if it, if it goes well. Um, but, uh, I finally took a formal photography class when I was in high school, um, and, you know, took black and white darkroom. And I did that all all throughout high school and college. I have, you know, I got, I got my minor in fine art photography. If I had been any kind of smart, I would have stayed an extra year and got my BFA, um, you know, instead of just getting a minor in it. But, uh, you know, c'est la vie. Yeah. And in 2008, when Polaroid announced they were gonna stop making film, I was kind of at this interesting crossroads. Um, you know, with photography and, you know, personally and, and professionally. And I just said, I'm going to shoot as much of this as I can while it's around. Yeah. And when I started, I was terrible. I mean, you know, I, I didn't like the images I was coming up with. I mean, it, you know, everything had that like magical whimsical quality to it. And, you know, the magic of being able to shoot with a, a Polaroid camera in any form. But, you know, I had, um, I stole my mom's Spectra. Uh, she had like one of the top of the line Spectras. Spectra. Yeah. 
Thank you. And uh, yeah, oh, oh, well, yeah, her and the camera. Uh, but, right. um, yeah. but the, uh, um, you know, I then went on eBay and bought the filter kit and, you know, was tricking it out with the tripod and trying, like, one of the first things I started doing was I was like, okay, how do I shoot at night? And I tend to shoot, if you, if you look through my Flickr um, feed, or if you go deep, deep into my Instagram feed, because it's been a while since I've posted anything new, and I apologize for that to everybody who's watching going, wait, I'm looking at her Instagram and she doesn't have anything right now. Um, but like, I love shooting Polaroid at night because it's one of those things where like, once you figure out how to do it, like it's magical and it's not something that everybody does. So um, I was able to kind of trick the electronic eye on some of my cameras. I um, received uh, my dad's uh, 360 land camera as a gift when I was in college. He had it refurbished by Polaroid and he had actually won it when he was in college and it was the top of the line kit and it came with all the, the flash, the cloud filter, the, um, you know, all, all the, all the bells and whistles. So, um, it's very hard to talk while you're. Just keep talking. <laughs> it's cool. I'm not doing it. You're going to get me like going like, you know, or something. That's, so yeah, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Says you. <laughs> so, so you add 360. Yeah, so so he gave me his 360, and you know when um, the 2008 announcement came, I pulled that out. I started again, just trying to hoard film and buy as much of it as I possibly could, and um, and then I went online and I found um, Polaroid, and I found um, Flickr, and this whole community of people all over the world that. Um, that love the same things I do. And a lot of, you know, most of them knew way more than me. Mm -hmm. And fortunately they were willing to teach me, you know, Hey, this is like, this is how you shoot this, or here's a film you've never heard of, or you might've kind of heard of it, but you never found it before. Like I had no idea how cool six, six, five film was until I couldn't get it. Like, I remember going into the photography shop in Santa Rosa where um, that ironically, one of my friends owns, like that took it over and then moved it and did a whole thing. But like the photography shop that we would go to, to buy all of our stuff. And I had heard of type 55, but I didn't know that they made a uh, 665, which fits the standard land cameras, yeah. not the four by five. So like, I would have shot that all through college because it rendered and you know, a rendered a medium format image. Yeah. And I only like was able to get some through, um, uh, pull a premium, which was the predecessor to, uh, the impossible project. And, you know, I paid dearly for it and I still yeah. have a few packs sitting in the bottom of my fridge waiting for a special occasion. Um, the last time I shot some though, it, uh, it still turned out pretty well. It's a pain in the neck because the, you know, the image is, you know, on the um, backing sheet and you have to soak it and you have to treat it in order to like, you know, get the, the um, you know, goopy stuff off. Yeah. Um, but you eventually get you get an image. So 
Um, same with, you know, Time Zero and Chocolate. I mean, I shot, you know, I've been fortunate enough to shoot all of those films. I never got to shoot Chocolate and I'm so sad about it. And bought me a box of chocolate and then we like <laughs> didn't work out. And I was like, mm -hmm. can you send the chocolate? I was like, <laughs> 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 or taste to like ask for that, like after a breakup. Um, yeah. That was, I was like, it was so close. But I did shoot some Time Zero, and holy shit, I fucking love Time Zero. Time Zero is like a drug. It is. I have one pack left, and I'm just, I'm just like, oh, what am I, hmm, what am I going to do with it? Because, like, I know that it works, because I bought two that were from the same batch, and I shot one, mm -hmm. like a greedy boy, um, and I've been hoarding the other one. I took my last pack of Time Zero up to San Francisco in March. And I didn't shoot it. I was like, "Oh, that would have been like I, perfect time." Like, to, to it shoot wasn't. I wasn't feeling it. You know, like I wasn't oh, like. There. The problem is, is that like the film, the film needs like you know because I wanted to shoot the Golden Gate Bridge on it, and you know like um, the day that I I left, I went and I shot you know around um, the Presidio, and I did shoot some stuff of the Golden Gate Bridge, and I almost busted it out like because the clouds were parting because you really need a lot of light in order to get the flames and to get the like Van Gogh blues and you know all of that kind of stuff so I was just like do you know I'm like if I put it in there if I put it in the camera it's in like you can't try the dark slide trick like it's you know the film is too precious to like waste I dark, dark bag stuff so yeah but I just don't want to risk it with that film. I mean, again, it's like, you know, it's like opening a bottle of, uh, you know, vintage, you know, Chateau Latour or something. It's this, you know, it's this, like, precious quantity That's that, you know, there's only so much of it. And it was, you know, cold stored in a shipwreck. And, you know, somebody dove down and got it and, you know, brought it up and put it on a pedestal. So people were murdered for it. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I don't know if everybody knows the story of why they stopped making the film, but uh, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, that was um, it, right? Because yeah. it was like a small little uh, chemist that was making the compounds for it, and mm -hmm. they got like taken out by Katrina, and then they just took the insurance payout because they were like old or whatever. Was the story that I heard. Yeah, and and the environmental ramifications. I mean, there's so many things, but out of all the films, I wish we could bring back from the dead chocolate and um and time zero were the the top two well I, um, if they brought chocolate back that means pack film comes back too and right I really, I really want pack film to come back like i i appreciate what super sense is doing with one instant and it's nice that that's there but like i, I need to be able to do more than one pull like you got to be able to like do the you got to do the unicorn tears, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I mean, chocolate was a, an accident. Yeah. I heard that that was a, it was a mix up, right? They mixed like yeah. color. Was it black and white negatives with color pods or. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was this happy accident. And the thing, I don't know if it was psychological, but like some of the fresh packs of chocolate that I, that fresh ish that I shot, smelled like chocolate and i'm like weird. what are you guys doing like it was so weird but like 
I have a couple of images that I'm really proud of that I shot on um, on chocolate. Like um, I shot uh, this chandelier shop in downtown New Orleans or in the French Quarter rather um, at night. I did like a 45 second exposure and I got this like really cool like I, I want to blow it up to like 30 by 40 and like make it a light box. And it's just, it's one of my favorite images. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in Nor and then when I was in Normandy at Omaha beach, um, my brother and I woke up at dawn to go to, to go to the beach, to go to, you know, the, to go to where, you know, D-Day happened. Yeah. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it at the time, but the images that I took there were like my favorite pictures from my entire trip to Europe. Whoa. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, instant film to me just has this opportunity, not only to make you slow down and stop and compose images, but, you know, to, um, you know, embed itself in your memory in a very, you know, unique and evocative way. Like whenever I look at that image, I think about, you know, the way that the air smelled and, the fact that when I pulled the image apart, I like jumped up and down, you know, like all giddy. And it was just like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is the image like that I came here to make. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I, I totally feel that too. Like, you know, this, this Polaroid here, when I pick this up, I could remember the day that I went to the beach with my really good friend and, you know, the, time we were walking along and just we saw these weird dead fish and we were like telling her dog not to eat them and <laughs> <laughs> you know we were like what's that smell and that's when we found all the dead fish all the weird it's, dead fish yeah, yeah it's, it's a beautiful picture but i'm like i remember rotting decay when i look at it <laughs> 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 which is kind of like and like a really pleasant adventure day with like you know one of my best friends um, yeah, it's interesting the power that that instant photos have with that, and I think that's like one of the things that's really sucked me into Polaroids and instant photography is like they're they're little time capsules for me. Like I can pick one of these up and be transported back to the moment that I shot it, which yeah. is kind of fucking wild. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So I saw a question scroll through, but I'm really afraid to touch my my. Okay, I will read you the question here. Thank you. Um, Info two thirty four asks, "What does the black and white girl photo in the back represent, and what kind of emotions does it make you feel?" Ooh, that's really. Um, people people are spying people are spying my background here. Um, that image is actually one of my favorite pictures, and I don't know who took it. Um. It was given to me by a really good friend in college. And um, when he gave it to me, he just said, I thought you'd like this. It just, and I, I, I instantly did. And he said, I've had it for years and it's yours now, you know? Okay. So it's just one of those pictures that like, I, um, you know, I, I interpret in different ways, you know, at different times in my life. Um, and it's, it's, it's meant a lot of different things to me in different, um, iterations, but, um, yeah, I just, it's one of those things I just kind of can't get rid of. So, you know, lost touch with the friend long ago, but you know, the, uh, the image and the memory remains. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Good, good, good question. Good question. He always has the, he always has great questions.
Um, yeah, I mean, like, that was actually how we met was through the Polaroid stuff. Um, I ran into you at my first Policon ever at Policon. Mm-hmm. And um, we bonded over our mutual distaste for Fuji destroying one of the most beautiful things that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little I'm a little salty about Fuji. I mean, again, it's this whole if you don't support them, then everything's going to, you know, go away. Yeah, but the that's thing with, with Fuji, and this is why I hate them, is like, even if you support them, they'll be like, fuck you, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they just really don't give a shit. The fact that the fact that Doc went over to Japan and spent like two weeks trying to convince them to like sell him like the equipment and they just wouldn't. I mean, it just it it, it makes me want to it makes me want to like I, I want to understand like maybe there's a like glimmer of hope that they'll make more pack film themselves. If I like enough, they will though because so this was. This was a rumor that I heard from like insiders that know people at Fuji and stuff. The m- equipment that was used for packing pack film was retooled for cosmetics. Is the rumor? Mm-hmm. That 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 obsesses me. Yeah. I'll stop wearing if I can have uh, if I can have uh, and back. So that was like in. I won't name names on it, but. This guy was like, the problem that Fuji has is they felt that film was going away so much that they decided to divest a ton of film stuff. So they let go of real estate that they had for film factories. They let go of equipment. They uh, repurposed people into different divisions and stuff and refocused themselves elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So much to the point that if they wanted to ramp their production back up to where they used to be at, they can't afford to do it. And they don't have yeah people to move around now um that was why they were making a bid to try and buy kodak because they could just like walk into the kodak factory and just fucking do whatever but yeah kodak's not as hurting as they used to be we'll see what happens now that they're going back into pharmaceuticals again because that was what triggered the first bankruptcy so you know yeah what are the odds it'll happen again so you know i'm i'm originally from buffalo and i have um family that lives in Rochester. And I remember, I remember growing up, you know, I mean, Kodak, you know, I mean, Rochester is a company town. Yeah. And, you know, my dad used to tell stories about how like in the sixties and seventies, like when bonuses would come out, it was this huge boon for the economy in Rochester. You know, I mean, the car dealerships would do well, the, um, you know, uh, real estate would see a boom. I mean, you know, there was all these things and, you know, to see um, Kodak just kind of be this shell of its former self and to, you know, do kind of these like weird shady deals with like, you know, insider trading allegations and all kinds of other like crazy things. I just, again, I hope that they don't go the way of, you know, Polaroid circa 2008 with, you know, the Ponzi scheme. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, illegal, illegal disclosure, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but I just, I want I want to make sure that the people who are in care of film understand like what what makes film special and why we need it and and why nothing like why digital will never truly replace film ever. So I, I did get a chance to tour the Kodak factory last year and 
I got to meet a bunch of the factory workers and like the people that are making the film, they understand how special it is. Like it's, it was really cool to talk with some of these guys because like a lot of them are really fucking old because mm-hmm. like, you know, film, um, there are some like, you know, younger, younger generation peoples there, but there were some people where it's like, you know, they're like third, fourth, fifth generation Kodakers, which I was like, wow. holy shit. Um, the people I met, though, were fiercely dedicated to, like, protecting film and making sure it survives. The problem that Kodak is going to have in the next, like, probably five years, like, it's already starting to perk up a little bit, is um, their workforce is going to start retiring in mass. And they don't have fresh workers to move into this these really specialized roles. Uh, yeah. So... They're like the company's willing, the people that are there that are willing, but it's the workforce might not exist in the next like five to eight years because they're just all gonna like age out. So before COVID, like you know, they're saying that they were gonna start doing like a like sort of a lot of hiring in the factory to start getting more people trained up and stuff because some of that equipment is like really specialized to understand it and then it's wild because like you have to do a lot of the shit in complete darkness because mm-hmm. once uh, once they make it photo sensitive or like light sensitive you have to do it in complete darkness and um it was insane just to see like some of the machinery and stuff these guys had to like work with in like pitch black like you know they they're not even doing like infrared goggles or anything it's just by like remembering where things are there are like these little sort of like really really dim green glowy lights that have mm-hmm. like, outlines where equipment are and like you know they outline danger zones with this like really faded green like they turn the yeah. lights off let our eyes adjust so we could see some of that and that's what these guys work in is like in this like fucking basically pitch black darkness and just feeling things out with stuff that could like you know rip their hands off and shit <laughs> that's crazy i think about how how long it took me to master um popping open the film canister and putting the film on the reel yeah i never i never had good luck with it when i was in high school like i always had to have somebody help me with it and then when i finally got metal reels with the teeth on the inside um then it was like once i once i got it it was like i could i could go in there i could do it in pitch black we had the little glowy things too but I can't imagine assembling complicated, like, you know, um, cartridges and, you know, like cutting off. I mean, you know, but again, I guess it's, it's, it's route, you know, it's routine. It's, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you figure out, oh yeah, I go like this five times and I've, you know, gotten, you know, 36 exposures and then I cut it off and I roll it up and send it off and i kind of i love the factory being like i want to fucking move to rochester and work for kodak like nice (laughs) if if they're hiring you know rochester is a cool town i i wish that i've had the opportunity to spend more time there um there's an entire abandoned subway system what you oh you gotta google it like okay i have to look this up oh wait you we got a question here and armand also joined what's up armand armand um so we've got a question is info two, three, four asks again, is that camera behind, is that a camera behind you? And if it is, can we get a quick demo um, on the camera and what you like most about it? What? What's behind me? Oh, this one. 
Oh, is that just it's like a, a little toy camera? It's a, I, you know, um, I love Peter Murphy. So, you know, I've got a miniature secret camera. Um, but it's, I found this at a um, yard sale. It's a, it's a working camera. Really? It's a, a toy. It says a Toyaka and it's made in Japan. Okay. There you go. I've never actually shot with it. I just thought it was like totes adorbs. And I mean, it's, it's little, it's got, you know, but it takes, I think it, it I think it could take like 110 film or um, you could cut down. Um, I think the person who sold it to me said that you can cut 35 millimeter in half and then load it in the dark, obviously, um, and shoot it. So like, it's a goal of mine to like try seeing if I can get it to work, but um yeah isn't it cute it's like dink those are like little <laughs> itty bitty negatives that you get at, like smaller than 110 yeah so it's a tiny it's a i've got a miniature secret camera which if you haven't heard that song it's a great song I'm um, not and to it, now. it came with a little case look at what? that <laughs> that's fucking adorable i need you to like pose with your little mini <laughs> camera and it's a little mini case here it's like dink because none of my Polaroids turned out because it's too dark in my room. So this will work, though. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. So, yeah, I want to, um, I'd like to shoot with it. But, yeah, it's so cute. It's Little super tiny. cute. There you go. I'm sure you could probably find one on, on the eBay. But I've never, I've never seen one. And, um, hey, James just joined. Hi, James. Um... I think James just joined. Either that or I just got a group text from him. I'm not sure. Hi to everybody who's on there. Who's who's on? I can't see who's on because I'm not. I, I refuse to touch my camera at the moment because I'll knock something over and it'll all fall apart. So, but yeah. Well, I you know I feel like a um, I feel like a pundit you know because everyone's like judging my bookshelf you know so. Your bookshelf's fine. It's it's I, great. It looks very creative and, and artsy. I, I appreciate that. I try. I try. So, you know, we've got, uh, you know, um, all of our, our little alters to creativity that we make. So, um, so I have a question that I'd like to pose to the group and, and to right. you. Um, so I've been kind of stuck like oh wait just I... a sec. before you jump in your question no ortega mm -hmm. says jessica any eight by tens recently ah hi noe it's nice to see you on the feed um i have not shot any eight by ten recently in fact i um i just moved a bunch of my eight by ten uh film and said you know this stuff's gonna go bad soon so i uh i, I would really love to uh to get out and shoot some of that so yeah you gotta shoot 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 man yeah and that's that's one of the issues is i haven't been i haven't been shooting a lot you know i um i i went through kind of a a creative rut you know i mean obviously a lot of that had to do with you know my mother being ill and yeah. you know going through that whole process with her um but you know part of what I've been trying to do is, you know, come back to creativity and come back to photography. And, you know, the weirdest thing for me is, 
usually I carry, you know, besides an iPhone, I usually carry some sort of camera with me, but the last year or so, um, I just haven't. And like, yeah, I'll go, on, I'll go on drives and, you know, and I'll be like, I don't have a camera with me and I'm okay with it. But then like, I'm not, you know, it's, it's that, um, how do you like reset your, I guess, I don't know if discipline is the right word, but you know, how do you like, how do you jumpstart that creative drive that, that, you know, you might be, you might've lost for a while and everybody goes through it. I mean, you know, um, but it's, one of those things where, you know, I've, I've always been kind of able to shake myself out of it before and I'm, I, I'm slowly doing that, but, um, I wonder if anyone has any, any thoughts on that. On shaking yourself out? You know, I mean, is it just go out and like, you know, do you shoot every day? Do you go on a walk and take your camera with you every day? Or, um, you know, if you, like what's the longest you've gone without intentionally creating work? Well, I, I'm not sure what the, the crowd says. But like for me, I carry my, my camera with me every day. So like this, this chunky boy is like my safety. <laughs> so Woodrow and I go out every day. I, if I go to the grocery store, if I go wherever he comes with me when I worked, in the old in the before times before the accent and everything i would take it to meetings with me and shit which was hilarious because people would be like why the fuck does a dell guy have a film camera it's like shut up it doesn't matter just why? in case yeah you just you never know what you're gonna see um so i always have it with me but like for intentional creation that's like a that's a tough one because like i haven't really been feeling like super creative to like go make stuff I've got a few ideas of things I'd like to do, but I just don't feel like it's right to do them right now. So I just, I haven't. Um, so I don't know. Maybe just carry a camera with you and just see what happens. Yeah. Someone says, buy more film. Eventually you're going to need to shoot them because you're going to run out of room in the fridge. Well, <laughs> that's a good one. That ship has sailed. I've got... I've got, I've run out of room in my film fridge. I've run out of room in my vegetable crisper. Um, I've got film in cold storage. Like, I've yeah, got the I've... same problem. Like I bought, or I, I got like a mini fridge for doing a shoot when I'm like, cool, I can reclaim my food fridge for food. And then I filled that little fucker up. And now like half my regular fridge is back to being film again. And it's like, God damn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any, any other uh... don't force it um wait till you feel it you know follow follow your inner soul and mind and i agree with that you know just yeah jp's like it's a... <laughs> well i mean jessica's got some some nice stuff because you, you've got the 8x10 as well too and you've got some rarer film than i have so it's like you you've been you've been at the game a lot longer than i have like i just got into the instant film game three years ago so like i'm a little late to the party like, my only party trick is I have a few sheets of Type 55 left that I'm just like, I love it so much. That's that's a good that's a good thing to have, you know. Um, yeah. I just, so I've been, you know, part of, part of like, you know, my COVID project, be besides not mastering sourdough and learning how to do my own nails, I, uh, um, I've been trying to organize 
like because I'm 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 one of those classic artists that I'm I'm not well organized and um I've been going through because I I mean I bought a case of black and white spectra film like when I was trying to get to the impossible level I had everything except the trip to Vienna that's the only thing I was missing when they had the pioneer program I was gonna do it I was gonna be the one no one ever did it really um yeah and um that was the thing I was missing but uh um I you know anyway so I I I bought like a, a stupid amount of PQ film and I still have some, like, I, I give it out. Like when I, when I see people, I give them like five, like, cause the batteries are starting to go and it, it, yeah. it oxidizes. It actually turns a really interesting color. Like you get these kind of like weird amber, like, like, um, artifacts now, like, you know, like the image will be like normal when you take it. And then like a few days later, it's not the killer crystals, but it's like, it's something else. It's almost like, you know, when, you know, when a mirror has like that marbling on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sometimes you get a little bit of that. Like it, it really depends on the pack of film, but it's anyway, the moral of the story is it's going bad. So I'm like, here, shoot it, like get it out, you know, get it out into the world. But um, anyway, so I've been trying to organize. Well, I found a four by five camera, like um, that I did a Kickstarter back backing for that I completely forgot about. Like I was like, I, I opened, the, there was this cardboard box at the back of my closet and I opened it and I, w- I was like, what's this? And it was like, oh, here's a, here's a, you know, landscape four by five camera. I need to buy a lens for it. But now that Lomography is selling the um, Graflock food, uh, back for the food yeah, you buy, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hmm, you know, I'm... Because I really love the, uh, yes, the Intrepid. Thank you. I couldn't think, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It wasn't the Intrepid. That's the, the, I, the Intrepid is on my wish list. I want an Intrepid 8x10 camera because I don't have any, the only 8x10 camera I have is a pinhole. Um, anytime that I've shot 8x10, I've either had the good graces to have um, a friend like James Eakins, you know, uh, with his Cinar, or we've um, rented a camera. Um, the first time we shot, um, the first time we shot eight by ten, we rented a um, Cinar from uh, um, Sammy's camera in Los Angeles, and we took it up to Bodie. And um, I was hauling around my fifty-pound eight by ten processor and yeah. the fifty-pound camera and and a parasol, and uh, <laughs> it was lots of fun. Luckily, uh, we had like the good fortune of the ranger there. There's all these things saying like, don't, you know, no services, no water, no this, no that. Like you have to park far away. And this guy was like, do you want to drive like into the town and like use our break room to like process your film? And I was like, sure. So he's not there anymore, but props to Ranger Ryan for looking out for us. He was like, people come up here and do wet plate collodion all the time. He's like, this is nothing. You're low maintenance. And I'm like, Oh shit! I'm like, can I get that in writing, please? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the next camera for me is eight by ten. Armand yeah. and I've been talking. He's got one there that we've been talking about, and um, yeah, that's that's the next camera for me is like eight by ten because like yeah, I mean, I I mean, I would I would love to buy a Cinar because that's like what I've shot with the most, but they're just out of my price range. Um, realistically. Um, I really you know. want Deerdorf. 
bad, but like that's wicked out of my price range. Yeah, but you know, I mean, the Intrepids. Um, you know, I've I've met a lot of folks who like them. They're beautiful. I mean, you know, my my hardest part would be like, what color bellows do I get? They're all pretty. Um, but you know, I mean, Rainbow. people have built people built like you know eight by tens out of Legos. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many. You know, there's so much you know ingenuity out in the world and just finding your people and finding the people who are going, going to support you, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, especially like when you start getting into specialized things like eight by 10, you know, yeah. you get, you get really lucky that, you know, people, you know, that are willing to give you tips and, and tricks and everything. But I think that the, um, graph lock back for the, um, Fuji wide is going to open a lot of people up to, rediscovering either their pack film cameras. Like I have a 110 that I always wanted to get. Uh, I have a 110A that I want to, um, I've always wanted to get converted to four by five, but it's cool. also such a beautiful camera that I'm like, I don't want to chop it apart, but like, I want to use it. So I, I kind of need to. Just and now that they- It'll make it gracefully. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Like option eight or, you know, one of those guys. So, you know, I mean, there's so many opportunities for that, but, you know, I always kind of end up going back to, you know, my, my land camera and my, my SX-70. So. Gotta love the SX-70. But what was your question that I interrupted you on there that you were starting earlier? Cause you were asking, asked, you were asking me a question and everyone on the, the chat, a question. You're like, I have a question for you guys. And then I was like, yeah, someone's interrupting here. This I guy. don't remember. Oh. <laughs> Because it sounded okay. like a good question, and then I, like, totally railroaded you. I only ask good questions, so. Get a four. You know. Someone's like, I'm super tempted to get a four by five, but I'm starting to run out of space. Just get it anyways. Whatever. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. That's, you know, that's, I'm like, you know, you don't need clothes or broccoli. You, you just need film and cameras. I mean, come on. Yeah whatever that's that's why i'm single <laughs> I, think why, I think that's why a lot of us are single it's like wait explain explain this hobby to me again explain this whole thing like yeah people like yeah. look at my fridge and they're like do you even know nutrition it's like i have kodak and agfa and fuji those are all delicious. Those are all delicious in stir fry. I they, hear. they are delicious, and it's it's fucking hilarious. I I shot some film yesterday that expired in 1991. And nice. I had it was two rolls of Agfa. One was XRS. They were both XRS 1000, which I'd never shot before. I was curious to see how it worked mm -hmm. out. One roll was made in 1980 or expired in 1988. The other role expired in 1991. I asked the model what year she was born in because I'm like, let's go with the one that's closest to like the age you're born. <laughs> Neither of them were even remotely fucking close. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. What's with all these young? And she was born in 1998. And I was like, I graduated damn. when you were in diapers. This is weird. Damn kid. Well, um, you know, one of the one of the, beautiful one of the things that's wonderful about you know again photography and the art world and you know 
opening yourself up and talking to strangers and, and, you know, finding these interesting, you know, kind of happenstances is, you know, people love to give you things, especially when they find out you love film. They're like, yeah. I've got a bunch of crap sitting in my garage and I'm just going to give you all these old cameras and all this film that I haven't looked at in forever. Here's a really old, an oldie, but a goodie. Damn, some I've never even heard of this film. This film was uh, developed before, I don't know if you can see it. Developed uh, for April 1953, 60, 62. 62. You know what? I bet you it'll work because I got this homie in mine um, that lives out in Thunder Bay now. He just shot some stuff from like 1955 and he got images. Wow. Was a were Marty McFly or Doc Brown on it or? See, man, um, they they were not. But um, he's also shot what what is the the flammable film? Um, I don't know what the, is the flammable. It, it was what the, what all the film stock used to be before they went with safety film, which is like the film we know today. It was like nitrate based film. Oh. He even shot some of that shit because he found some of it, which is like super fucking rare and like very volatile and crazy to work with. He found a roll of it at like a, um, one of the camera markets and um, he decided to try fucking shooting it and, and mucking with it. And he got images out of it. And then he was like, I'm going to light this bitch on fire so it doesn't explode in my house. So he's like, I can't <laughs> make this. And then he torched them after. Because like that's what all of the films used to be uh, shot on. And, and they had to be really careful about storing them. Because like when they would run them in the projections and stuff, they would sometimes light on fire in yeah. the thing. And yeah. I mean, I got a, I got a little bit of a latent image on the roll film that was inside the 110A that I bought at a flea market. Oh, crazy! Like, like it rendered like just really light. It was like it, the the chemicals spread really well, um, but it like I mean you really couldn't see what it was. It was just, but it, I was like shocked that it like that there was any kind of a chemical reaction that like the pods weren't dry and that it like came through the camera. And I was like, what? That's and, fucking crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you never know. I mean, I know they made roll film. Um, I think up until maybe like the eighties or like early eighties, maybe um, I'm not, I'm not super uh, up on the history of roll film, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's definitely fascinating. I don't know a lot about roll film either. I just know that a lot of people hated it because like you had to wait for the picture to develop before you could take the next photo, which was like why they invented the pack film cameras. Mm -hmm. That was like the, the lore that I heard anyways. And then of course, you know, pack film begat, you know, integral film and people would shake pack film because you had to coat it with the noxious, you know, if you've shot 665, or type 55 you have to coat the image with the like stuff that smells like like a combination between like like glue and envelope like wet envelope i think that's like what i describe it as is like yeah, wet envelope glue the vinegar in there yeah yeah and um so people would shake it to dry it you know so like you know obviously everyone's heard hey yeah 
but they, yeah, like, okay, fuck. So that's the polar. That's the Polaroid you can shake. These yes. polar, don't shake these Polaroids because Correct. it's actually wet inside. Unless you want to ruin and the you image. Damage the pods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now some people are into damaging the pods because you get the little ferns and all the little like whatnot going on. But you know, yeah. And somewhere on the internet, I've never been able to find it again. There was this really adorable cartoon of like a little Polaroid and he was like, he was like a little stick figure and he was like, stop shaking me. <laughs> and I oh, wanted okay. it on a t-shirt. <clears throat> I wanted it on a t-shirt so bad. And I like, I swear I saw it on the Save Polaroid website. And like, I contacted Sean Turbidy, who was, you know, one of the co-founders of Save Polaroid. And I was like, where is that image? And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So maybe I hallucinated it. I don't know. You should just maybe like talk with a graphic artist and just like make this happen your own yeah because i can't draw so you know it's like i take pictures because i can't draw so i can't draw either i i shamelessly steal things though so like i made these stickers that i stole the polaroid originals logo from and made my i own. like those i i have one of those i, yeah. I think it might even be on my 8x10 processor uh um uh carrying case so. i i think and i don't like some people sort of really disagreed with me, but I think the old Polaroid Originals logo looks a lot better than the new. I don't like this is kind of, kind of boring. It looks like a thermometer. You know, those old thermometers that were popular it, in the 90s? Yeah, it yeah. does look like one of the 80s thermometers. Like, I want to put it on my giant forehead. I just want to be like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this sticker also a mood ring? Like, will it tell me? <laughs> right. Um, but I am glad the Polaroid still exists so that we can still give them lots of money and use our historical cameras. Absolutely. You know, and I haven't really shot with any of the new cameras because again, why would I, when I have an SX 70, but well, it excites so me they're making new cameras. You I, know, I, will, so. I will say that I do like the one step plus a lot. So I, I have a one step plus and Polaroid loaned me a couple of one step pluses for the workshop that I held a couple weeks ago. And the one step plus is actually a really cool little camera. Once you like get used to how it works and everything, because like being able to remote control it, being able to do all the manual controls with it, it gives you a lot of flexibility to be really creative with it, which I think is really cool. Now, if they could like find a way to like meld like SX-70 with like that, that would be like a really cool camera, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they will at some point give us more pro cameras, but right now I think they're focusing on the consumer side because like they need to just continue to exist as a company. Yeah. Reestablish themselves. Cause it's not the Polaroid of like past where they had like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank and the war chest and they were good from all of their military contracts. Like it's, they're like a startup basically. Like even though it's Polaroid now, it's still the skeleton crew of Impossible that's running the ship more or less. They yeah. Just the branding a bit. And yeah. I, anytime I see, anytime I see a Polaroid camera in, you know, a commercial or a TV show or a movie, um, you know, that's good news. And, yeah, good news. you know, as, especially when they use it correctly, which is, you know, yeah. it actually it's starting to happen more and more, but but um, we're in the yeah. last 40 seconds and okay. I want to say thank you so much for joining me. It was really Absolutely. great to see you. I miss you a lot and I appreciate and love I miss you very you much. Too. And, and I just want to tell everybody, um, you know, vote for P 
people locally that support the arts. And if you can get involved in the arts, I'm on the uh, arts commission in the town I live in. And if you can volunteer or get involved and mentor uh, people so that you can carry this forward, that's just as important as all the other nonsense that's out there. So um, please make sure you, uh, you know, support candidates locally that support the arts. Get out and vote. Fuck all this. Right. Fuck Dapolis and all that <laughs> shit. Love you guys. It was really great to see everybody.